episode of uh, Work Stoppage. It's going to be a retrospective looking back across all of the content we've covered for you in the past two episodes. Uh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but I'm John. I'm here, of course, with my co-host Lena, as always. And Hello. We have a few things to talk to you about today. Um in, in terms of actually doing a little bit of retrospective, on the last episode, we talked quite a bit about how police unions are, you know, they don't serve the same function in society as other unions. They shouldn't, we, labor unions shouldn't have solidarity with them. Um, they, they're totally antithetical to the idea of workers gaining power. Um, yeah. And, and we lean towards the abolition of the police themselves. Yes, exactly. But on that note, it looks like Atlanta police have decided to go on a strike. And it's such a big deal, apparently, <laughs> that it even merits its own Wikipedia page. I love that uh, That in our show notes or our personal notes, that strike is alternating caps. Yes. Because <laughs> it's like, definitely the respect that it deserves. Straight up sarcasm. Well, here's the thing. A strike is supposed to make the people that you work for realize that they need you, right? More than you need them or like enough that they have to give you an increase in in conditions, right? But the police are supposed to be public servants. And when they go on strike, they're actually giving the public what they want, which is to not be harassed by police. So right. the whole like fuck around and find out thing about a strike is it's like we would love to fuck around and find out police, you know, please, for the love of God, Thank turn you. in your badges. That's what we've been asking exactly. for. Exactly. We've even seen in the past when uh, when police have done less enforcing that there is actually less reported crime during those times. Yeah. Like we we see that like a lot of the policing standards, especially like broken windows theory, which basically criminalizes every single little thing anyone could do, uh, mm -hmm. is actually just a way of creating more crime, not just in like saying that people are doing more crimes, but literally when you criminalize people and, and reduce them to like that sort of status in society, they actually do more actual crimes because they are in conditions that are unfit for living. Yeah. And that's one of the things that you'll, see in uh, a lot of these abolition movements is that it's always about meeting people's needs. If people's needs are met, there's, n there's not crime. Yep. And if there, I mean, or if, if there's, there's at least a lot less. Yeah. Well, and it's not like the police really respond to a lot of violent crime or like what you would traditionally think of when you think of as crime in the first place. Like if, if you look at the, the statistics that have been coming out in most major cities around America, violent crime reports account for about 1%, sometimes less of the overall crimes that are called into police. So even if you think, okay, well, we might still need a few cops to handle like murderers and armed robberies and shit. It's like, yeah, maybe we need 1% of the police force that we currently have now or possibly less considering how bloated the current system is. Right. I mean, because if you actually look at what a lot of the abolitionists are saying is that if you look at our system, the violence is coming from the police. It's coming from the prisons. Yes. Like literally, if you want to talk about the violence that's happening, it's happening within these state-sanctioned uh, systems of police and prisons. And if you want to actually create less violence in this world, create less crime, 
you need to get rid of the police and the prisons. Yeah. Well, that's the other thing is like in crime reporting, they don't ever factor in all of the crime that's done by police, right? Like stealing evidence, uh, you know, mishandling both victims and uh, suspects, uh, you know, outbursts of violence, uh, improper interrogation techniques, just all manner of things that they do that are either morally reprehensible or straight up illegal or both. Um, that, that just never even get factored into, uh, that get factored, factored into crime statistics. It's like when you see a chart about how much, uh, theft has increased in the United States, how much of, you know, they often don't factor in wage theft, the biggest form of theft of all. I was literally about to say wage theft. <laughs> I mean, that is exactly. And then also like criminalizing undocumented workers when, if you actually look at it, it is more of a crime for the people to hire these people. Not to say that they shouldn't because these people should be able to work wherever they are. Right. But, but to, to criminalize the people who are just trying to make a living is the, like, that's the absolute wrong way to go about it. Yeah. Cause the person who's hiring them is hiring them to generate more, uh, more labor, uh, that they can, that they can exploit and turn into more money. And often because they're in precarious positions. Yeah, exactly. The person taking the job is literally just doing it to survive in many cases. You know, a lot of these jobs that are offered to undocumented immigrants or migrant workers of, of any kind are often very low paying and they're often backbreaking agricultural work. Yeah, and we'll get to some backbreaking work later when yeah. we talk about the sanitation workers in New Orleans, which I've been excited to cover for quite a long time, but we got a couple other things. We're going to finish up with this police thing, which I, I wanted to also point out that last time we talked a little bit about these organizations that support police. When these Atlanta police went on their uh, blue flu strike or whatever they <laughs> want to call it, uh, there was the uh, Atlanta Police Foundation that literally gave $500 bonuses out of their donations to to every single police officer in Atlanta to, quote, keep morale up. Oh, my God. That's the saddest thing, too, is just that there are these institutions out there that aren't even like, I guess they're just like affiliated with the police, but they exist entirely just to corral people back into supporting the police and making sure that the police as an institution don't fail. And the thing is, is I think that the cops just are repeatedly overestimating how popular they are. You know, it's like the idea of like, oh, they left unmarked cruisers in the path of protesters at the rallies. And it's like, well, maybe even if they did do that, maybe even if that was a deliberate play on the behalf of the police. Once those cruisers are on fire, it's not like everybody's running out and saying, stop, stop, you have to respect police property. <laughs> and I think, I think the same thing is happening with these strikes. They're just saying like, well, how about we just don't show up and, and you'll see what happens then. And everybody, like not even just leftists, but like everybody broadly in communities is like, oh, we would love it if you did that. Please don't show up. We're, we're on the edge of our fucking seat to see what happens. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, what do you, we've been talking about defunding the police and they're just like, well, what if we don't show up? It's like, oh, thanks. Yeah. I guess we win that one too. Kind of cuts out the middleman. <laughs> I, I really appreciate it, but you know. <laughs> All right. But I don't want to stick on this one for uh, way too long since we're mostly just covering what we were doing last yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's, um, let's move to our first uh, real story. Uh, and that's going to be some dock workers uh, Hell yeah. striking on Juneteenth. That's absolutely right. And I guess this, uh, the ILWU does these strikes pretty regularly. Like they have a history of being a pretty badass labor organization that's good about showing solidarity. 
And I believe they employ most of the dock workers all up and down the entire West Coast. Actually, yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. They they are able to shut down basically the entire West Coast port system and even sometimes very selectively. I mean, we've seen uh, even just back in... 2010, uh, in solidarity with Palestinian unions, uh, nice. refusing to unload Israeli ships in 2014. Nice. They sh- stopped using any of their uh, work in 20 or in 2003 to support Occupy Wall Street. Um, oh, and specifically against apartheid South Africa in the 60s, 70s, and 80s. Wow. Uh, that was that was kind of generalized. I'm sure that there were quite a few. That's a um, pretty long time to be opposing s- something. It takes dedication. So those all seem like actually pretty recent struggles, but mm-hmm. they go back all the way to 1934 when they struck for 83 days and they ended up in a four-day general strike in San Francisco. And general strikes, gotta love them. I, uh, they're definitely my favorite thing to, to happen. Yeah, I, I think that we're going to see uh, even more uh, as the conditions get more serious from COVID and uh, these, basically the government not giving into the concessions of the Black Lives Matter movement and right. um, the defunding and abolition of the police. Well, it's interesting because back in uh, the 30s, right, like getting a whole city like San Francisco to go on general strike was a massive accomplishment. Like that's amazing. Props to them. No shade. But like in the present day, you know, it really makes you think like if, if the conditions for a citywide general strike were there almost 100 years ago with the Internet and with all of the outrage and with all the solidarity being shown between communities across the United States and, and globally, like we might have the recipe for a national general strike on our hands or even an international or a partly global general strike to take place. I also want to point out one last piece of history from them because it absolutely applies to the Black Lives Matter movement. Mm-hmm. Right now is that in uh, 1968, after the death of Martin Luther King, they also shut down the ports. And uh, just just because a lot of their actions have been anti-racist solidarity actions and they know that they've got so much power when you can shut down the incoming goods from capital i mean like literally just like stop them from being able to do their work across the nation yep they can't get their stuff that is an an amazing amount of power and i'm so glad that these workers know that they have that power it's so important to fight against these racist systems and without them i mean like I think that we would be in a much worse position. Oh, absolutely. I mean, labor solidarity works, you know, and, and they, they went out of their way to move the already planned strike to June 19th to show solidarity with the, the Black Lives Matter movement. And I just, you know, I think that's really powerful. And it reminds me of like when the Wayfair workers walked out because Wayfair was signing a contract with ICE and they didn't want to make, you know, beds for for people to be detained in, in inhumane conditions. And I think there's been a lot of talk going around about like, oh, you're being class reductionist or, oh, you're being identitarian because this is a, this is a time when everybody's trying to figure out what this political moment really means. And identity, the the struggles of, of being from an oppressed group based on your skin color or your, otherwise your background, you know, your identity and, and class struggles are just deeply interwoven. And we see the, the biggest pushes forward when labor is anti-racist and 
the anti-racism in America is pro-labor. That's like the most symbiotic relationship. It goes back to the the classic line, an injury to one is an injury to all. Yep. It's the reason why these movements are in solidarity with each other because if we don't stand up together there we're going to get picked apart piece by piece individually in each system that like sure we can have some people striking in this area and like oh well good good for them but like if we don't actually create systemic work stoppages if i could yeah use that oh they said uh, the name of the movie in the movie <laughs> uh then we're not going to actually create the power that we need to make real change. That's absolutely right. Which is one of the reasons why I was propping up the the idea of a general strike earlier because we need to see it. I mean, uh, I think we, we all need to be propping up the idea of a general strike. I mean, I know we're not all anarcho-syndicalists, but if you don't recognize the the potential for revolutionary change that comes with, it doesn't have to be every industry, just major industries, you know, dock workers, uh, teachers, uh, nurses, garbage collectors, uh, just people whose services we really can't live without and whose, whose ability to transport goods to us would, you know, if it were interrupted, would interrupt our entire lives. Uh, and it looks like during this strike on, or, well, actually, I think this is more specific. Is this a strike or is this? Yeah, I guess it is a strike. It's work stoppage and strike. I'm, they're kind of like almost interchangeable. Yeah, they're, they're There's sometimes some synonyms. nuance in them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this one uh, particular on the on Juneteenth was during uh, the first shift. And then also they had done a previous action on June 9th where they all uh, stopped working for eight minutes and 46 seconds which was uh, the amount of time that George Floyd had uh, Derek Chauvin's knee on his neck. Yeah. Um, and basically they, they, they put down their tools and said, you know, this is, this is unacceptable. Yeah. We, we need you to recognize that this is unacceptable. Yeah, and that's, that's awesome. I, we just need to get as many more unions as we can, uh, you know, piling on on top of this. It, it's one thing to have the courage to strike for your own rights and your own your own security, but the, the compassion and the, the humanity that it takes to strike for people that don't even work for your company, people that you might've never met is like, I think that really, that's, that's the high point of human behavior right there. Yeah. I, and I also, so in certain ways it feels like labor, I mean, and if you're not really involved in a lot of these kind of labor movements or you're not as familiar with unions, it might feel like, like, why are people stopping their jobs because of something that's happening in like the, the like kind of more societal aspects of what's going on. Right. But I think that a really important thing to remember is that these things are all connected. I mean, we talked last time about why the police are there to break up strikes. They break up, they have a history of violence against protesters and, and a strike is a protest. Mm-hmm. And so when you are out there doing these, uh, these strikes, the cops are going to try to stop you. And so when the cops are attacking people, it is the same as when they are attacking a strike. And it is all associated with where is your power? Where does it lie? It right. lies in your work. It lies in the labor that you are, your exploited labor. Right. Where if you don't work, then your boss doesn't make whatever twice as much as you do. Well, yeah, because the, the cops are employed by the state. And the state's interest in employing cops is to guard 
businesses and property and capital from the working class who might otherwise use it to their own ends. And that's the thing is so like when when you organize a strike at an Applebee's, you might just be like, oh, what does one Applebee's matter? But, you know, it can propel labor movements to happen at other chain stores, other local restaurants. And before you know it, you have this network of concerned workers who are starting to realize that they have a lot of power in their hands. And it's no wonder that the police have been sent to break up strikes plenty of times, because when you stop selling your labor power and you opt out of being a a, a pawn in the market economy for even a minute, that really is a material threat to power, you know? And it might not be a big one. It might just be a little bee sting here and there, but it's the difference. An apple bee sting. (laughs) Hey-oh. But, you know, it's the difference between one bee sting and thousands and thousands of bee stings at the same time. And that's, you know, that's the that's solidarity coming into play. And it's it's really economies of scale. Right. Like you can't you can't be this huge labor movement if you don't take the first steps in getting yourself situated, getting yourself used to organizing and getting yourself comfortable with organizing language and, and the kind of social norms of organizing. Right. And solidarity movements have been tried have have been kind of tried to st- be stopped by capital before. One of the things that we were originally going to include in this episode was when uh the in the Capitol Hill area of uh Seattle, Trader Joe's workers had gone out in uh solidarity with Black oh, yeah. Lives Matter um protesters and they basically shut down the store indefinitely. And like there was this kind of fear that they just shut it down. Like they are no longer going to have people come back to work or anything like that. Yep. It did turn out that they uh, said that it was some sort of renovation. There's skeptical yeah, but, uh, people of whether or not that's the true. The sign they put in the window initially said will be closed indefinitely. They didn't say like until further notice. They said yeah. indefinitely. So it's like it just seems like it's. It's a, it's a scare it, tactic it's at a least. Play. Yeah, they're they're doing a play. They're trying to convince people that like, oh, we didn't close the store because our employees went to the protest. Oh, it's actually because we're afraid of looting. Oh, actually, it's none of that. We were doing a renovation, you know? Yeah, I, they and I think that really it would have looked so bad, especially for where that store was to mm-hmm. actually shut it down because it was it was a it was a really high grossing store. Yeah, uh, it would have so, been obvious uh, that they were just making essentially a statement on a, re- the, a retaliation. Yeah, they were doing retaliation and making a political statement that was like Trader Joe's won't stand for anti-racism, right? And then they, yeah. I think, they very quickly realized how much they had to walk that back and and cover it up. Um, yeah which is really interesting. I mean, I've been hearing a lot of stuff recently about a lot of chain stores. I mean, Trader Joe's was under fire for something else as well recently. Um, I saw them in a list of like places not to frequent with your business. And I've started to think to myself like, oh, I can still go to Aldi though, which is good because I get all my shit at Aldi. But if you look into the history of it, Trader Joe's in the United States is operated by Aldi North from Germany and Aldi is operated really? by Aldi South from Germany, which are separate companies owned by two brothers who split up a company like, you know, decades ago. And then in Europe, Aldi North handles Aldi and Trader Joe's. So it's a very complicated uh, huh. mess of, of corporate. To- total sidebar, not really all that relevant <laughs> to this situation. Yeah. Well, I, yeah, and I, I only brought it up because I think that there was some pressure there for them to not actually permanently shut down that 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 store. And yeah, um, well, it's also like one of the only grocery stores 
in or near the autonomous zone, right? So if they had shut it down, they would have essentially been saying like, hey, anybody in the autonomous zone, if you don't have a car, like good luck bringing groceries in. Yeah, well, and they are, they did shut down for at least two weeks. So I I think that, and they said it was to avoid looting, like we mentioned earlier, but I mean, seems like BS to me. Yeah. Uh, But I also think that the threat of shutting down a store is something that strikers often see. Uh, Mm -hmm. I remember when we were, uh, organizing the store that I was at when we made it a union and that that was one of the big fears because it was not a super high grossing store. It was kind of in a little pocket. And and one of the things that some of the established workers who had been there for many years were like, if we form a union, they're going to shut down our store. Right. And and that threat is very real. It's it's the reason why it was even like taken seriously that this Trader Joe's might have shut down mm-hmm. because the idea that you would go and stand in solidarity with uh, anti racist with an anti racist movement is a real threat to them because what if they don't have place? How are they going to protect their property? Yeah, if we don't keep gentrifying cities across America, how will Trader Joe's keep installing impossibly small parking lots in neighborhoods across America? Riddle me this, smug communists. <laughs> That's what I want to know. So yeah, I, I just want to say that like these these dock workers, if we can just kind of wrap this one up, I I think that it's, it's just so great to see them still out there doing these really great solidarity actions. And mm-hmm. I encourage everyone to try and find a way to do a solidarity action at your work. Uh, at some point, we should really talk about uh, concerted protected work efforts, and and then go ahead and Google that. Yeah, concerted protected work effort. Like, figure out ways that you are still protected by by the by the state to go out there and and do solidarity movements. And sometimes they are going to be small. Sometimes they're not even going to catch the news. But we need everybody out here. Yeah, like, nothing fighting is, against this. Nothing is too small. Honestly, even if all you can do is sneak over to your boss's house in the middle of the night and put slices of bologna all over their car so it eats away the paint, that's good enough. That helps. <laughs> and we love you. We appreciate you. Solidarity. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I think that we have got a, a really big, a really big piece to, to cover. And this I, is we huge. Probably get to it. Yeah. I mean, um, we were talking about this basically since the beginning of the show, right? Because that's about how long it's been going on. It's been going on for like four weeks. Yeah. I mean, we originally were like, oh gosh. Um, I mean, we, we were like, uh, it was a week or two before. And so we decided to cover the Allen brothers plan. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, I'm still glad we did. That was seriously with the the death from covid on the allen brothers yeah uh, it was heartbreaking all honestly that. yeah uh very important stuff but uh this one there's just so much to it like you said it was just it was four weeks that they've literally been on strike these workers have been out there on strike for four weeks for as long Back- as this show has even been I'm around i'm I'm actually wrong about that. It's May 5th that they started. Wow. And so, and so we're recording here on the 22nd of June. Yeah. So, so it's been it's been five or six weeks. Yeah, that's, that's outrageous. And they've just been out there on strike, taking it as seriously as they take their job. You know, like, like I think you mentioned to me before we were on mic, they're getting out there at four in the morning to be yeah. on strike in front of their employer. Absolutely. I, I was there uh, in the articles that I was reading about this. They are making sure that every single striking worker is out there every single day. They are doing carpooling for people who have a, a difficult time either getting up that early or, or has some transportation issues. Mm-hmm. Let's say they take like public transportation. They are getting out there at 4 a.m. 
on the picket on the picket line. That's amazing. It's, yeah. That's a level <laughs> I was of dedication. really impressed to see that. That's a level of dedication. I don't know if I've ever shown to anything, you know, even, even at my skills that I'm the best at, uh, Mario maker two and playing drums. Like I don't have the dedication that these guys have to be out there demanding, you know, just, just a $15 wage and some hazard yeah, pay and let's talk, and let's talk about their demands. Yeah. Let's talk yeah. about their demands. Cause they're not even, they're not crazy demands, right? Like in my mind, here's the other thing. When I found out they were making, what does it say? 10, 25 an hour mm-hmm. for, for this. To my mind, like I always thought garbage men, it's like, oh, you have to get up really early. It's obviously not like a very pleasant job to do. It's hard work. They must be pretty good paid, right? They must make 15, 16. There's even that meme of the that classic meme of the oh look at the sanitation worker you know he he gets paid well because of this or that mm-hmm. it's like well no it's actually the union that gets them paid well that's exactly um, right but uh, but yeah they, these people are paid ten twenty five yeah which is crazy that's less than I make at my shitty little job and I sit on my ass and wave at people all day if you're out there in the shit if you're waking up at three to be at work by four to work these guys were saying uh, they have a they they have a little video um on their uh, uh, on their gofundme that we'll play you a little clip of in a bit but they were saying stuff like you know i'll i'll start my day at four and i won't get done till 10 p.m and then another guy said sometimes i'm out there working 16 hour shifts and it's like who else do we expect to work hours like that like nurses uh, medical professionals and that uh, EMTs, and even in some cases, like there's a there's a legal uh, limit on how long those medical workers can work because of mm-hmm. you know fatigue. Yep. Uh, just think about these people providing this essential service as well. Um, but if we get back to the demands, an- another one that they're trying to get is 150 dollars per week per week in hazard pay. That's right. It's COVID. It's COVID. But- well, and not to mention picking up bags of trash is dangerous. People throw out dangerous shit. There could be broken glass in there. You know, there could be uh, bio waste in there. People's like blood or like they could have thrown away tissues with some very unsavory shit on it. Like there's a lot of stuff out there that's a very genuine and potentially very dangerous health hazard. And these guys put their lives on the line every single day when they're out there grabbing bags of trash. Uh, and, and, and they're trying to get seven days of paid sick leave per week, per year. Per year. Seven. Just one week of paid sick leave. That seems like a no-brainer, right? Like that should be an instant yes from the company. So they oh, don't wait. have that. The company won't even meet with them. They And not only, they don't have any. Yeah, that's like, crazy. That, that, that's one of the things that we learned in this process is that they have zero benefits. They're paid ten twenty five with zero benefits. That's insane. Because they're, they're they're basically contract workers, right? And they're being exploited by the fact that they're contract workers. And we're gonna uh, hear more from the, what's going on in their situation. But they're looking for more masks. They're they're given one mask per shift when they're working, like you said, sixteen hours. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and they have like broken trucks that they're working with. Oh yeah. One of them said that like hydraulic fluid will sometimes spill out of the trucks. And it's like, you don't want to be out there on the job and then suddenly have your fucking pants covered in hydraulic fluid. Like, I don't know if it's toxic for the next 10 hours. Super unpleasant. Yeah. I mean, like, have you ever accidentally stepped in a puddle and then had to walk around with a wet shoe all day? Now imagine a big work galosh, but it's filled with hydraulic fluid, like a thick, viscous, fluid and you're only making 10.25 an hour for this. It's just the the their employer must be so unimaginably morally bankrupt. It, it really defies the imagination. Yeah. 
And then the one of the most important uh, demands is that they get recognized as a union because they do have this union mm-hmm. called the City Waste Union, which mm-hmm. they've called themselves. Basically, this means that they can keep meeting and if their conditions change and they want to go from 15 to, you know, a more livable wage, mm-hmm. uh, something like what they should be being paid, $27, $30 an hour and uh, at the very least, in my opinion. Yeah, in my opinion. Uh, I mean, realistically, under the current system, though, a lot of people, a lot of people are like, "Oh, they ask for fifteen because it's realistic." I'm like, I think twenty is realistic. You know, I think thirty is what they deserve. But I think even under present day capitalism, like if if they just had a little bit more public support, if there were just more podcasts talking about these guys, so that like morning drive time people knew what was going on, like these these people would be empowered to ask for an actual living wage, not uh, a, a figure from a campaign for a living wage that has been outdated for like over fifteen years. Yeah. So so recognition of this union is an imperative for them to be able to actually continue to do what they're doing. Right. And, and you're absolutely right, John, with that. they We do need more people out there talking about this. But I think that what we should do is we should actually hear from the workers themselves and we should actually play that clip oh, yeah. that, we were, that we were talking about earlier. So let's go ahead and do that now. Sounds good. This is from the GoFundMe video for the City Waste Union. My name is Janoa Taylor. My name is D'Artagnan Dijon. My name is Jerry Simon. Anthony Perkins. Harold Peters. Jermaine Williams. Darnell Harris. Kendrick Anderson. Darnell Taylor. My name is Jonathan Edwards. Jaynaud Bristol. I'm Jamal Taylor. My name is Ramon Brooks. I'm from City Waste Union. Been striking for four weeks now. Been at Metro for almost a decade. Been hopping for over 20 years. This is one of the hardest jobs in the world. You know what I'm saying? A Bill Garbage Man. You know what I'm saying? Come out here every day, no matter what weather, picking up any everything. We clean the whole route up. If you know New Orleans garbage, it's real nasty and heavy. We bust all back ends out here to keep the city clean. We work from sundown to sundown. I have days where I work from 4 in the morning to 10 o'clock at night. It's only enough to, you know, pay your bills or get, you know, whatever you can get done, and then you got to get back to work. It's, it's, it's such a little amount of money. You work every single day, even that day that they give you off. You kind of want to go to work that day as well because it's just not enough money. We don't get no health benefits. We don't get no sick days. I got hurt several times on the truck while I wind up in the hospital. It's not right. It's not right. You know, it's time. It's time for everybody to realize and know what's going on. Pick up garbage all day. And we love doing it. We love keeping the city clean. But we just tired of the, the, the beating we getting right now, you know? So we just took a stand and we, we went on strike. We are now uh, on strike in front of Metro uh, for a change in wages. Right now we're making 10, 25 hours. And you gotta work five days just to get 11 hours an hour. So what we asking for, we, we ain't asking for a lot. We asking for $15 an hour. We deserve more than that, but we, we you know we're asking for 15. And we are striking for better working conditions, proper PPE. The COVID-19 hit, they, they gave us one pair of gloves, like garden gloves, gave us one mask for the whole day. And we'd be out there 16 hours a day sometimes. And one pair of gloves, that's, it's not right. We are asking for safety. You know, uh, we have a lot of trucks that leak, spew, spray, and gush hydraulic fluid. We're looking for hazard pay as well. 
you know, $150 a week. We are the frontline workers too. I understand we're not a police officer, we're not a firefighter, we're not a nurse, but you gotta think about it. If it wasn't for us, who would get y'all garbage? How y'all guard to be taken out every day? Metro would not meet with us. We out here every day for four o'clock. We trying to see if they gonna sit down to the table with us. All right, now at the moment, we ain't been hearing nothing back from them. We trying to stay strong, and I know we gonna get there. Because I know everybody waiting for this to be over. I know I am. I'm ready to go back to work. On behalf of City Waste Union, we'd like to thank you guys for your continuous support. Your donations greatly appreciated. It's going to take care of the 15 hoppers and their families. The money is not just being used for petty things. This is for our families that we are on strike for. Without y'all, you know, we, we can't do it. We just young men working, providing for our family. The GoFundMe helped me provide food for my family, put gas in the car me to make it out here, to support the rest of me and my brothers. Thank everybody for helping us while we've been on strike. We really, really grateful. I want to thank you guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank y'all so much. Thank you. Thank y'all. Thank you. We appreciate you from the bottom of my heart. So yeah, yeah, as you can see, these guys are, I mean, you can hear it in their voices, right? Like and how I, much this honestly, means to them. I suggest like going to, we're going to put the link for this GoFundMe in the show notes. Yes. And I suggest you go and just watch this video. Like look at, look at these people in the face and just listen to, to what they're saying again. Like yeah. listen to it again because it's, I mean, when I, when I listened to it the first time I cried, just like that is, it is so powerful when they're talking about the how they're out there fighting for just basic dignity. Mm -hmm. I, and I feel like I've said the words basic dignity every single episode so far. And I almost <laughs> think that it's going to be, it's going to be a staple uh, of, of what's what I, what I say here is because it's always that. Yeah. It's always, it's, it's not even like, Oh, we want to get paid more. Like we're talking about $30 an hour or whatever. Right. Like, no, they're, they're sh shooting for 15 yeah, they're literally just asking for enough to, like, survive and in many cases, like, take care of their families, you know, which is which is in the American mythos, at least, supposed to be what a job is for so that you have money to take care of your family and your responsibilities. And these men are being denied even that. And then when they have the audacity to go on strike, their employer immediately brings in what else but prison labor. Oh, yeah. Um, there's this outside contracting company called Lock 5 where they were they basically do contracted prison labor and so they were being paid 925 so not only are they being paid less so basically like scab labor cheaper scab labor right. prison labor that is being brought in to do work for the like as as scab workers which i mean these are people in prison that we can pretty much assume that they don't have a choice but to do this work they need mm -hmm. to do this work in order to like make whatever money they can yeah or else their commissary runs out you know it's very hard for a lot of inmates to actually keep any money around because shit is so expensive in prison and then i mean i i would i i have it written here but like just to guess how much they actually get out of that 925 well, uh, what it said in the article is that Lock 5 takes up to 64% of their pay. My God. Literally two-thirds. Two-thirds of their pay 
So like literally, like imagine you have a nine twenty-five an hour job. Like your paycheck is small and shitty, but like now imagine that you've committed a federal crime and you work a fucking forty hour a week job and your paycheck is a third that size and you're not allowed to see friends and family and you have to live in in incarceration. It's just like it's it and what are the crimes that these people are serving out sentences for, you know, drug possession, uh, breaking and entering shoplifting, uh, just a lot of shit that, you know, maybe breaking and entering is kind of bad, but like shit that definitely does not deserve this order of punishment, not even remotely. Yeah. Well, and in my opinion, I mean, well, having a punitive system in general is, is actually immoral. Well, and it's yeah. also like, who are, who's, whose establishment are you breaking and entering? Did you be an E a Walmart? Cause I have zero qualms with that, you know? Yeah, uh, and but we did see that the that they did pull the, that labor once they were informed that there's a strike going on. Right, because they don't like to inter- interfere with strikes or whatever. We only but. would have known if there was a strike going if there was a recognized union calling the strike. And since we didn't recognize the union, uh, we got to pretend that we didn't know there was a strike and get like two or three days of uh, prison labor. You know? Right. So, John, does that mean that they actually have all of their workers on strike and that they don't have anyone there to fill this hopper position that, that all these workers are uh, striking in? Of course it does, Lena. I couldn't think of any other possible outcome under the capitalist system in the United States as it exists today. Wait, nope. They definitely have all of those positions filled. Ah, uh, yes, of course. I mean, well, I guess in certain cases it's not quite as safe because they they say that it requires two hoppers per truck, and that uh, sometimes they are only, they only have one out there. So not, they're putting these these scab Whoa. workers in in precarious positions. Yeah, I wouldn't want to be running the back of a garbage truck all by myself. You need a buddy on a job like that. Yeah. So, and who knows, there's actually, we don't know where those workers are coming from, at least from the articles that I was reading, as well as we don't know if they're being paid more or less or anything. That's the thing too, is it's like, you know, they were willing to give the the prison labor 925 because they knew like two thirds of it wasn't even going into their pockets. I wouldn't be fucking surprised at all if these, these other scabs that they've brought in are being paid even less, $7 an hour or something like that, you know, whatever the minimum wage is in, uh in their state. Yeah. I, I feel like, uh, I feel like we should actually, uh, look up the minimum wage to, cause I, I how much you want to bet it is literally nine twenty five the, the wage that they paid, that they supposedly put, paid the prison labor. Yeah. Well, these guys are in Louisiana, right? So yep. In New Orleans, Louisiana minimum wage drum roll, please. Seven twenty five. Seven. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So they can absolutely pay these people seven seven dollars and twenty five yeah. cents and an I, hour. I imagine that they are, you know. And that's the other thing is, it's like even the people that they were paying nine twenty five to, they're figuring out as many ways to take stuff out of that check as they can, and ways to not put it in. I'm sure they're rounding down hours and engaging in all sorts of other kinds of wage theft on top of providing awful working conditions. Yeah. And I mean, just the working conditions themselves. I think. I, I just can't stop remembering that video when they're talking about being given one pair of gardening gloves. I know. Oh, my God. Like, not even, like, heavy-duty work gloves. Like, welding gloves. Or, yeah, like, a good pair of work gloves. Like, literally gardening gloves. Like And they're given one. Yeah. 
It's truly insane. And one mask for a 16-hour shift. It's like the whole point of a mask is it's supposed to stop water droplets from crossing the barrier of the mask. But after like four or five hours of wear, it starts it's to hot. get damp. Yeah, you sweat. There's <laughs> Your breath is on it. There's condensation. And when those masks get wet, they stop working. They stop being effective. So it's just like it's it's just willful it's willful ignorance because the more willfully ignorant you are the more you can squeeze out of your fucking employees at every step and just like you know big ups to these guys who were like you know we're sick of it we're sick of being treated this way and we're gonna strike in front of this place like it's our fucking job with the same level of dedication that we were bringing to keeping new orleans clean you know, yeah, uh, and we've seen some other uh, sanitation workers go on strike around the nation. Mm-hmm. These, this one, seriously, like being like one of the um, most no- like notable. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I mean, even in uh, the city where you are, Pittsburgh, we saw sanitation workers on strike for uh, at near the beginning of COVID. Yep, um, I think that there wasn't a lot of even information about how that went. It down. was very quickly. Um, it was like talked about for a second while it was happening, and then uh, a few days later, I noticed I hadn't seen any news on it, which I thought was very strange. So I looked it up, and all I could find was that it had been resolved, and that the workers had gone back to work. But it made no mention of their demands, uh, which, if I remember correctly, were just hazard pay and PPE. And it made no mention of whether they were met or not. So I don't know if they actually got back to work and they got some of their demands or they only got a couple or if they were replaced by scabs or what the deal was. Yeah. And I, I have looked into this a couple of times since and you really can't find much on it. But there's like there's a thick veneer of smug liberalism about the way that the city of Pittsburgh is run, right? Like we have a liberal mayor and we have a liberal governor and we're supposed to be like this cool city that doesn't make a lot of mistakes and has a burgeoning culture and a lot of good education and medical jobs. But it's just like what we really are is a city that knows how to keep a wrap on things like police related, you know, when, when, when an officer kills somebody, uh, Pittsburgh is good at keeping uh, a rap on that. Or when there's a, a labor dispute, Pittsburgh is good at keeping a rap on that. And that's bad. That's, uh, that's ultimately very, very harmful. Yeah. For being like what's known as a, a union town, which is actually, I mean, I was, I have been to plenty of protests there. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, you know, Pittsburgh is a union town is, is one of the rallies of, of a lot of protests that are that go on in Pittsburgh, yeah, and even even for that, it, there has been so many like undercuts that have basically put those those unions to made made it so those unions had much less power than they had before. Well, Pittsburgh is a great example of that because it's not so evident now, but there's a lot of old money here, and there always was a lot of old money here, and a lot of industry, and uh, a very in a, a very present you know, industrial proletariat, a very exploited industrial proletariat. And so class, you know, issues, class friction came to a head here many times. You know, a lot of people know about uh, the Pinkertons and the Homestead Steelworks. A lot of people know about Berkman's attempt to kill Henry Clay Frick in his office downtown Pittsburgh. Uh, And in situations like that, it doesn't always lead to local advancements for the workers. You know, those are still important historical things to learn from, but it also means that the ruling class here has gotten very, very savvy and, and has learned how to keep a lid on things because it's, it's within almost within living memory when they fucked up and got sloppy and it bit them in the ass a couple of times. 
yeah, and and shout out to the the Homestead Strike, which actually turned into one of one of the more old school style quote like autonomous zones yeah. when they had like basically a, a syndicalist uh, control over the Homestead area for a couple days. Yeah, it lasted about four days, if I remember correctly, before they sent in the National Guard to crush it. Actually. Um, yeah. but they can't do that in every city across America at the same time. That's all I'm they saying. Uh, they can't send the National Guard at all of us. No, that's true. <laughs> I mean, it's just like the, the Area 51 thing, right? Like, they can't yeah. stop all of us. They can't National Guard all of us if we Naruto run. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do want to point out that we, we missed one super important detail yeah. about, the, about this uh, strike that's going on, is that literally every single worker here is black. Yes. Like these are all black workers being paid much less than they should be being paid. They are being exploited to no end. They have no benefits. And they are out here trying to get uh, recognition of their union. They're trying to get some hazard pay. They're trying to get enough gloves to get through the day, enough masks to get through the day. These things, they're getting none of it. And the company is not actually even listening to their demands. They refuse to meet with these strikers who have been on strike for six weeks now. Yeah. That's what we did. We determined six weeks now. Something like that, five to six weeks, yeah. Yeah, it's absolutely. It you can get so angry sometimes yep. just seeing this system and to just we need change and and I mean whether or not it is uh, one type of revolution or the other it needs to be a revolution. We need, we need uh, conditions for all of the workers who are in conditions like this to change to to double in benefits. We need, I mean. To, for one, get these the things, the seven days paid sick leave, yep. the PPE, the hazard pay, the $15, the routine vehicle maintenance, the union, and we need to double well, it. To, we need to double it for and everyone. And to not even touch on the things that aren't even offered by most employers that should definitely be a given. Like if you have a child, regardless of which parent you are, you should get paid time off of work. And you should probably get assistance, you know, from the government or, you know, state mandated assistance from your employer to help you with that child during that time. Like we need to start treating jobs for what they are, which is a place for people to use their labor to make sure that they have security in their lives. And if that opportunity isn't extended to everybody, then it's, you know, then, then your system is completely fucked up. Like I don't, Insofar as I know what like a basic right is and like my, my understanding of, of the definition and, and the, the social relationship of, of the idea of a basic right, like the right to, to have financial and like social security because you have, because you go to work should absolutely be fucking included. I don't even think you should have to go to work to have that, but like you got to start somewhere, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean, a lot of the worker organizations is because we are under a capitalist system, and we are our our material needs are met by the fact that we go to work, right? And that's wrong. That is not the way that this world should be organized, and we should have a vision for something much better and much more equitable to all. But under what conditions we have right now, we need to be realizing that that we are the ones who provide the the labor we're the ones out here creating the value for the bosses mm-hmm. and uh and just like 
We're not even asking the, right now for us to take all of that value back for ourselves, right? Like, ultimately, that's what I want. And I, we're I, being real polite about yeah, we're it. We're being very polite <laughs> about it. We're just saying, like, by striking, yeah, just give us some of the value that you're skimming off of us back to us, right? For right now, that will be that will be a perfectly good compromise for this political moment. But the longer that that's the other thing, right? Is like the longer that they don't give us that, the more inclined we become to strike for you know, economic security and our rights and anti-racism and all that. But also yeah. the more that they give it to us, the more, the, the more emboldened we become and we keep pursuing those things as well. So I think they're just, the ruling class is in a position right now where they, they know there's no winning and they're just trying to squeeze as much blood from a stone as they can while they still have it in their hand. It reminds me of one of my favorite, one of the favorite quotes that I've heard recently from um, black revolutionary. Um, and I, I wish I could remember the name, but uh, but it's that the, people are lucky that black people are trying to get equality mm-hmm. and not revenge. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's absolutely I mean, fucking I, true. And I think it speaks volumes. That Just that, that sentiment alone speaks volumes. Mm-hmm. But, whew, all right, deep breath. We should, well, maybe let's... Uh, <laughs> let's loosen up. You can't see, you right. can't see it on the podcast because it's just audio, but I'm waggling my fingers. Yes, yeah, shaky fingers. <laughs> What? Yeah, we want to say check out check out the uh, GoFundMe, but we're we're gonna move on to something. Oh yeah, definitely. A little lighthearted. If you get a chance, definitely go in and throw a few bucks to the GoFundMe to support these striking workers. But yes, we can't spend the entire episode talking about super serious things. So let's move on to the most serious thing of all: the Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone. At least the memes about it. At least it. the memes about it. We're doing a meme review, my friends. Bow, 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 bow. So uh, I'm sure everybody's seen memes about this place. Uh, there there was originally like the map and like different labelings. I think mm-hmm. one of them was like the, the pig pen or something like that for the p- police uh, <laughs> office that was uh, in a different area. But uh, we wanted to kind of look at the kind of gambit that we're... Uh, that was going on here in uh, from from all the way from the left, the anarchist memes to uh, to the to the right, the straight up reactionary memes. Uh, and <laughs> what were some of the things that we saw, John? Uh, we saw all kinds of stuff. I mean, the the right wing reactionary memes are very very basic. A lot of it is just like, oh, there's guys with guns there, which is just like they saw the photo that Fox News photoshopped really poorly to put the guy in front of like. Uh, you know, a, a less favorable background, and then they aired it as a scare image on their network. Uh, and we're seeing a lot of right wingers also point to this Raz guy who is apparently influential, at least for a moment, in the autonomous zone. But it seems like he's just an Airbnb guy and rapper who was just kind of like getting his clout up. And you know the right wing wants to be like Raz, the the king of Antifa and and Lord Commissar of the autonomous <laughs> zone. And it's like, no. If you ask people who are there, they're mostly like, yeah, that dude's kind of annoying. He just knows how to get attention. And but that's the thing about it. That's the thing about an autonomous zone, right? Is like when you when your leadership is horizontal or like loosely arranged or whatever they're doing. I don't know a hundred percent what's happening. Um, it's easy to be mischaracterized. The same way that like anarchism, I think broadly gets mischaracterized, at least in the English speaking world. Yeah, I, I mean, like, and then uh, let's let's sprinkle in one kind of more left meme. Is we're we're looking at it like an ancom ball oh, yeah. <laughs> meme here, uh, and it's like, hey, look at there's a there's a autonomous zone, and they're like, oh, 
are your farms automated yet? <laughs> and then it's like literally like straight up, have you created the utopia? You say like, you're, you're, yeah. you're, vo- you're trying to get this utopia. Where's your utopia, bro? Uh, I see you are five <laughs> days into revolutionary organizing and have not yet produced an iPhone. Checkmate, and comes. Like, <laughs> it's so fucking silly. Um, and they even uh, say like in the, in the meme, that little Ancom ball, the little country ball with the Ancom flag is saying uh, like crime is under control. Food s- supplies have been secured. Gardens are being set up and they're just like, it's been five days and you have no plans for permanent self-government. How will you win a war with the U.S.? You don't even have a solution for climate change. And it's like, I mean, I'm sure that everybody in the autonomous zone is thinking about these things. You know, if they're anarchists or, you know, communists or, or just people who are fed up with the current system and don't have a particular name to call themselves or don't think they Some fall sort under of loose the, socialist. Yeah, loose socialist or loose anti-capitalist. I mean, these things are all getting tossed around, but... The funny thing is it's like, it's the dichotomy of, of opposition, right? Like they're like, oh, you're so puny. You don't matter. You only have a few square blocks. And then you're like, well, we're pretty proud of our few square blocks. We hope it'll inspire more change. They're like, how you haven't even built a fully functional tank and rolled through the white house yet. Like (laughs) it's so fucking silly. Yeah. And I think this one kind of actually points out some of the uh, problems with some of the the right wing ones, like the the bad garden memes, where there's literally there was a big series of yeah. memes going around about how this garden is a failure, a terrible garden, and then it like turns out that the dude actually is like uh, the person who did this is really like has made some great gardens, and if you look at current photos of it, like it's a nice, it's garden. a really nice garden, and, and the guy's yeah. like a fucking <laughs> professor of horticulture too, so like he he knows what he's doing like just because he didn't plant all his little daisies in a straight line is no reason for you to have a fucking aneurysm (laughs) like (laughs) uh and then also it points out like i feel like this is a this first one that we did was a good meme because it like the food shortage literally not even true true at all it was like there's a bunch of photoshopped memes uh that you can usually tell based on the font or the positioning whether or not it actually came from twitter came from the people yeah. I, mean, I highly suggest like vet vet all these like things is this reactionary like ask the, ask yourself the question it, is this a reactionary meme and then like vet it if like, if you see impact font in white letters with a black border on them and it doesn't seem like it's a, a sarcastic or ironic meme 90% chance it's a right wing meme like that's just easy like if you see impact yeah. font there needs to be some level of joking because hip internet leftists have moved beyond impact font thank you very much yeah uh, speaking of impact we, font <laughs> if, if we kissed in the seattle autonomous zone been, what if we kissed? what if we kissed in the seattle autonomous zone it's been a while since i saw a really good what if we kissed meme i think the best one i ever saw was what if we kissed in the black lodge from twin peaks and i was like oh liked, that's a good one i liked the what if we kissed on the communism bench uh, which is literally like this bench that has these ham sicks on the side. <laughs> like I, I, I probably I need to find. Oh it yeah, it's and a, send it. It, to it looks you, like a bus stop, right? I think I've seen yeah. that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's a really good one. And uh, speaking of of recycled meme formats that are finding new life with the Chaz memes, we have the classic two astronauts in space. The one astronaut looking at Earth and saying, "Wait, it's all Chaz," and the guy, the other one behind him with a gun pointed at says, "Always has been." Yeah, and I don't know much about this. I need you to tell me, like, what I, this is a meme that I feel like I didn't quite understand. Well, so, so tell me about this. If I'm not mistaken, this meme traces its origins back to Long Chile, which is a meme about how Chile is so long, what if it was even longer and it took up the whole west coast of both Americas? 
Um, <laughs> and then, of course, people made memes where it was like, uh, astronauts in space, wait, it's all Chile? Always has been. As if there's like a government. You know, I think it, that that always has been bit comes from the like birds aren't real meme or like Australia is okay. a hoax as a meme where it's like, Australia, wait, there's no Australia? Never has been. Uh, so they when they <laughs> when they meet, I feel like there's this perfect synergy of not just memes but messaging because you can think about this in a more metaphorical way. When he's looking down at the Earth and he's like, "Wait, it's all autonomous zone," and the guy behind him is just like, "If only you, you know, you, the stand-in for the global working class, had been able to realize it earlier, you could have put down your tools, put down your workstations at any time, and and risen up for this." But of course, we only get to see this meme crystallized in its internet form that it's in right now. So, right. you know, <laughs> yeah. it's kind of like, I don't know. I think it's a beautiful expression of the way revolutionary potential has always been been building up and is now flowering or being realized in, in one of its many yeah. forms. Uh, or I, I could just be really high and reading too far into a meme. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, like, I kind of want to read too far in the meme that the our last one that we're gonna do, which is this <laughs> king of the king of the hill meme, which I almost feel like feel like this has to have been made by a leftist. It could be someone like trying to dunk on leftists, but like, uh, basically, it's the one where they're uh, what is it? There's the the cult. Yeah. It's the the Hank and uh um Dale. and the crew basically yeah. and Dale like pull up uh in the trucks like, hey, is this the is this an, the anarchist state? And then it's. We're not a state. We're a, and then there's just block of a text, completely just like unreadable, <laughs> just like thousand word block of text. And then they yeah. stop and they're like, "Yep, this is it. This is it." <laughs> and I, I mean, and I'm just like, I mean, like fifty. Where's the lie? Fifty. Where's, yeah. I mean, As an anarchist, I can really laugh at this. Fifty-fifty. This was either made by a Marxist-Leninist gently poking fun at anarchists, or by an anarchist who just thinks anarchists are really funny. Because, like, if you ask me, we are. We're hilarious. Yeah, well, because I mean, like, <laughs> ask me how I would govern the United States. I fucking dare you to ask me how I would govern the United States. <laughs> because you will need a you'll need a chair and a snack and two bathroom breaks before I'm done. Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! And I, 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 I especially love King of the Hill memes. Yeah. Like, it's just they're just good. They're, that you could almost hear the voices if you if you've listened to or if you've watched king of the hill enough times there's something really prescient about the way that king of the hill is written i don't know if it's just mike judge being mike judge he's usually pretty funny and pretty good i know everybody likes to talk shit on idiocracy and people who think idiocracy is a good movie but i love idiocracy and it is a good movie it, idiocracy is funny i think that the the kind of uh the doomer like anti-human yeah, uh, yeah. message of it is kind of bad but 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 it is definitely funny and like if you're just looking for a comedy yeah well i think it, i know? think if you're doing like a modernist reading of of uh idiocracy where you're like this is essentially like a mechanistic inevitability of of society which is a little bit the way it is presented in the movie i think that's definitely right. bad but if you do kind of like a postmodern, like this is a potential future and we're going to see elements of this manifest in some ways and other elements of it will not be that prescient um i'm like more the just the stupidity like how how sometimes it's basically like there are these these forms that have existed and they have expanded it's like it's like imagine neoliberalism never stopped right well that i mean that's basically what it is it's it's like the 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 culminating point of neoliberalism but that's also the the appealing thing i think about king of the hill and why it has so much meme potential is because it was a crystallization of present day neoliberalism and like and like of a conservative family and their conservative neighbors 
in neoliberal, um, in neo, you know, liberal dash conservative America. Uh, and it's really stood the test of time. You know, I rewatch King of the Hill every year or two and it just holds up and, like the writing is so good, you know. Wyatt Snack wrote yeah. on there for well, many years. We can we can praise, yeah, yeah. you know. We can. All right, <laughs> all right. All right, all right. Yes, that's a funny show. Um, <laughs> I think that maybe, maybe we should wrap it up. Yeah. Um. Uh. You can find me at Solidarity B all one word B E uh, on Twitter. Uh, may, give me a follow. I don't have uh, very many followers, and I only post every once in a while, but hopefully I'll get that moving. And you? Yeah, give, give Lena a follow at Solidarity B, and give me a follow if you want to at Facebook Villain, all one word, obviously. And uh, check out my other show, Beep Beep Lettuce, if you haven't already heard it. I stream sometimes on Twitch, but I haven't been doing that as much. And uh, yeah, King of the Hill is a really good show, my friends. Yeah, and donate donate to uh, the striking yes, workers at, uh, at, for the sanitation workers in New Orleans. Uh, thank you all very much, and we'll uh, see you next time. We'll catch you next time for our second retrospective here on Work Stoppage. Work Stoppage.